I see a whole new generation. Not, and it's not just age. It's, I'd say season. <clears throat> I think there's pastors my age that are saying, you know, I'm fed up with the seeker sensitive. I'm fed up with the faith and prosperity. I'm fed up with all these different movements. I just want to get back to this thing. You know, just just study and preach the word. Welcome to the Gary Wilkerson podcast. Uh, my name is Joshua West. Uh, I recently asked Gary if uh, he would be um, agreeable to let me interview him and ask him some questions so that maybe our, our viewing audience could get to know um, him better uh, as a minister and also as the president and uh, leader of World Challenge. And so I just want to first and foremost say, Gary, thanks for allowing me to uh, to interview interview you and uh, help uh, everyone get to know you a little better. Yeah, thanks, Josh. I, I, this is a little bit of a different um, style of uh, podcast that we normally have, but I hope it uh, still encourages people. Amen. Amen. Well, I think it will. Um, so if you don't mind, I'm just going to just get right in. But before I ask you questions, you know, I just want to say that I, you know, one of the reasons, the main reasons that I was so uh, honored to be asked to come be part of this ministry was obviously because of the fruit of your ministry and not that we're promoting man or man's accomplishments, but I don't think, you know, there's anything wrong with looking at men of God. And, you know, Paul himself said, follow me as I follow Christ. Hebrews 13 tells us, that we should model ourselves after godly leaders. We should mm-hmm. honor our godly leaders. And so we don't we don't do that, you know, at the expense of Christ or, you know, we don't reverence men, but it's it's through men that God communicates the message of the gospel. It's through men that we're biblically discipled. And so I think, uh, you know, uh, there's a place also in Romans that says to honor those, you know, that God has put in places. And so even without knowing you um, personally, God had, you know, put your you in my life, put you in a place in my life. He'd put your father in a place in my life. And I think many of uh, many of the people watching this would probably feel the same way. They don't know you personally, but uh, the ministry that God has done through you and through World Challenge has affected their life in some way. I was actually talking to a lady recently who's just telling me how much she looks forward to the the newsletters that, mm, that you nice. write because – they, they just uplift her up. And what she said was not just that they're uplifting, but they uplift her in the truth. Oh, and so I think that, you know, kind of being the the aim of this ministry and really any biblical ministry. So um, thanks for, for letting me ask you some questions. You know, one of the just immediate questions that's uh, it's one you have to ask is, you know, just quickly, w- what was it like growing up as the son of David Wilkerson? Normally, when I get asked that question, I, you know, my mind goes to, you know, when we, it's an awkward question in the, in the way of you don't have anything to compare it with, so so you can't, you know, so I, I don't know what it'd be like to be anybody else's son. So, right. uh, but I can say what, you know, I, I think more of the relationship I had with him, very healthy relationship, a good father, um, modeled the kingdom of God well. You know, it just when you hear him preach something, you would know. Uh, I've seen him do that. I've seen him live that. So he was preaching on love. You know, like man loves the lost. He loves his family. Uh, preaching on prayer. He spends four hours a day in prayer. You know, just so just that that is a. I think young men love to see that in their fathers. That there's integrity there, and I, I would say that was good. Mom, mom was great. She was fun loving and joyful. Um, 
a little more comical than my dad. He was a pretty serious man, although he, he, he'd do his dad jokes occasionally. <laughs> but it was good. Yeah, a good relationship. That's good. I, you know, I think one of the one of the most important reasons that's such a great answer to that question is because, you know, so often, um, you know, we see ministers maybe that, you know, and I think some of us have been guilty of this at times in our life as ministers, but maybe, you know, we 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 aren't the father in the home. We don't have that sort of thing where you say, yeah, I saw that modeled, you know, not perfectly, but with integrity over the years. And, you know, did that have any sort of impact? Obviously, it's the call of God on your life. But did that have any impact on you, you know, coming into the ministry or wanting to be a, a pastor or a preacher? It did. Yeah, I would say watching him preach when I was a young man, I would go to his meetings. Uh, number one, you know, what boy doesn't love to travel with his dad. So, you know, being on an airplane or a bus and then uh, going to the hotel and then coming to the event, seeing him preach and seeing the lives transformed. Uh, we call them altar calls where you give an invitation to receive Christ and packed with hundreds, if not thousands of mostly young people coming to Christ. I realized that's what I want to do with my life. I want to see the power of the gospel transform lives. Early on, I didn't, I, I don't think I could articulate well what that is, but it was more of an internal longing like this is something I can't describe it but it's worth giving your life to and so I never wanted to be a fireman or a football player or anything else since since I was a child I wanted to be a, a preacher was uh, the first uh, the, the first thing was the um, I remember meeting my dad was doing, doing a meeting with this lady named Catherine Coleman you probably heard of Catherine Coleman and uh, she was an interesting woman, but kind of spooky. Uh, <laughs> so if, if anybody's ever, you know, some of you younger people probably don't know who that is, but uh, she had, she held these teaching meetings, uh, kind of like a Beth Moore or a Joyce Meyer type character, you know, back in the 70s. And and when I remember, you know, meeting her and uh, just, you know, being a friend of my dad and I was just like, okay, uh, that's too spooky for me. So when I got called into the ministry, I knew it was really weird. I remember kneeling down praying, and I felt like the Lord said, you know, I want to use you to preach the gospel. And I asked him, I said, okay, but can I do it not like Catherine Coleman? <laughs> I didn't want to be kind of like, because she would touch people and they'd fall over sure. and stuff. I mean, interestingly enough, you know, uh, probably you know, as it got later in life, I was like, I, I sure love to have some of those gifts that she has, you know, right. you know, to pray for the sick and see them healed, people jumping out of wheelchairs and stuff. Right. Uh, the mysticism part I've never really wanted and the ultra charismatic stuff I've always avoided still to this day. But nonetheless, that that was an influence on my life. Just So not only my dad, but the people he surrounded himself with because he traveled in circles of other preachers and evangelists, and, uh, you know, Nicky Cruz being one of them, yeah. uh, you know, people like that to see. Who you're still yeah. very close friends with yeah, to this day, yeah, do yeah. ministry with. And yeah. so that's a. Yeah, we were just together in Cuba and Mexico doing pastors' conferences and evangelistic crusades in a communist country like Cuba. Uh, very rare to get an open door to do this, but, you know, they had thousands of people come and hundreds of people at the altar receiving Christ. It was pretty cool. That is a, a very amazing uh, part of ministry is seeing the fruit of what God does through right. us and others. Yeah. You know, uh, you mentioned this, but I was going to ask you, so how were you called into the ministry? Like, you know, is a, the uh, sky yeah, exploded? Yeah. You were yeah, praying. Yeah. How old were you? It was uh, probably, uh, you know, six or seven, eight. Around. I don't remember the exact age, sure. but it was definitely. Young. Yeah. Pre-10, you know, it was because I remember. We were still living in New York at the time, and I was traveling with my dad, and so we moved away from New York when I was 12. So, 
it was it was quite a bit earlier than that. But but it started just as a, like I said, wasn't really highly recognized. Like I didn't have in any kind of biblical understanding of what it meant to be called, or it was just a feeling. Right. And then it, then it, instead of a no lightning bolt, no audible voice, just a, a an initial sense of this is. I would love to do this, and then a growing sense of I'm, I should be doing this, and and then then it went to I can't do anything but this. This right. is like I, if I try to go elsewhere, it frustrates me, and I just know this is I, I can't help but preach the gospel. And uh, yeah, so I started ministry. My first sermon was 16. Uh, became a youth pastor at 19. Pa- planted my first church. My wife and I we were, got married. Went to Detroit, Michigan. When we were 23 and started an inner city church there. And then joined my dad at Times Square Church at 28. So wow, those were those were some of the early highlights. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and uh, it's interesting how God's woven your life together with people. Um, didn't you guys eventually sort of bring Tim to lean on it, when into ministry? Yeah. And so yeah. it's just interesting how those uh, lifelong ministry relationships, you know, are just kind of all woven in together and yeah. to this day still ministering yeah. alongside some of these yeah. people. So I know that you did that you started the ministry in Detroit, but, you know, and obviously you've you've done a lot of ministry, so you wouldn't be able to, you know, you planted churches, you've helped uh, start churches, you pastored churches, uh, you know, you've been the president of World Challenge for, you know, long over a decade now. Um, but, you know, but there's a few like I know you start you helped start a church in London maybe mm-hmm. and yeah. and uh, so yeah. kind of would you just kind of walk us you know through yeah. that like you know you yeah the part part of uh, you know so called in the ministry at a young age at 19 the call became crystallized uh, a two pronged calling one is to uh, it was the Jeremiah nine twenty three passage. Um, let not a wise man boast in his wisdom, or a mighty man his might, or strong man his strength. But let him who boasts boast in this that he knows me and loves me, and I'm God of loving kindness and mercy. That that and uh, the call to plant the gospel where it's not been proclaimed to preach words and to plant churches. So the, at 19, I went to this conference and I heard two sermons back to back. One was a man who was preaching about knowing God. And that's where I got that Jeremiah 9. That's going to become my life. I'm going to dedicate my life to knowing him in depth. The Corinthians passage, like, oh, even the deep things of God. I'm going to give my life to that. And that's been such a great pleasure. The second one was church planting. Uh, and in, in the context of, you know, inner cities, mostly and so that that became, you know, for almost 40 years became my wife and I and our family's life. So we planted churches in Detroit, uh, helped Times Square Church start in New York City, then went to London, England, and helped, uh, interesting enough, an Anglican church that was working in a very rough neighborhood, but they were more from an affluent type of congregation, like Oxford graduates and stuff. So they said, hey, you're from the inner city, can you help? And so we helped them plant a church there moved back to Colorado, which is just like home to my wife and I. We came here on our honeymoon and just said, we're going to live here one day. We just know this is this is God's headquarters for us. Amen. And uh, so grateful that that he did that for us. And so we started a church here in Colorado. And, uh, and then after that, uh, pastoring and leading World Challenge after my father passed away, wearing those two hats was just a bit overwhelming for me. Uh, our church was growing rapidly. And when it was smaller church, three, four, five hundred, I was it was manageable, but when I got over a thousand, I was finding in myself torn uh, candle, burning the candle at both ends, and so God graciously allowed uh, our youth pastor to become the senior pastor at Springs Church, and I took on the full time 
100% role here at World Challenge, which opened up the door to travel and preach more and write more. And I've written several books since that time, this last decade now. And um, uh, just it's, it's strange coming because I always thought I'd be a pastor, uh, but but you know now now not pastoring. Uh, it gives me the opportunity to feed into pastors' lives with some experience, with some history, with some trials, with some tribulations, with some hardships, and knowing knowing the joys of planning a church and seeing hundreds saved and being in, in you know maybe considered successful. Uh, but then also knowing the difficulties. Now we can speak with life into those who are doing the same type of task. Yeah, you really are. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would say this, a pastor to pastors, yeah. but you can't really be a pastor to pastors unless you've pastored. And so, you know, it's, it is about knowing God and uh, knowing his word. And But, you know, some of those just practical, you know, what it's like to, you know, you're telling me stories about, you know, your first ministry where your house would get broken into, right. you guys only had a couch left. And, but, uh, you know, it's just this, uh, this idea of this, this knowledge of, of wanting to empower other men to do what God has called you to do. I think that really is kind of a, a sort of like a benchmark of, mm -hmm. of your ministry from my vantage point anyway. You're, you're right on. That's, that is exactly it. Let me ask you a question, kind of, uh, shifting gears. Um, you know, now as the the president of World Challenge, you know, really focusing on preaching the uncompromised gospel, pastoring pastors, um, you know, planting the church where it don't exist, all the the message of the gospel, the hands and feet of the gospel around the world. Right. Um, you know, what encourages you the most about the church today? I, because so often, I mean, it's easy to be discouraged. You know, we look around and we see spiritual declension. We see um, apostateness. We see people who, from pulpits, you know, saying wickedness is good and good is wicked and, and these sort of things. But, but you know, when you, when you look at the kingdom of God and, and, you know, just in your context, your experience, and just because you've traveled the world and you do, you know, you preach all over the country, you preach all over the world. And so as you, you travel um, ministering, what what's something that does encourage you about the the state of either you know the global church or the American church, but just in general, what's something that that you, it's encouraging it's, you? Uh, they're they're a little bit different uh, globally. You have places like Iran that's be, uh, becoming the fastest growing church in the world, uh, where you know just it's almost like the Book of Acts, and so you see the church in its infancy and it's. And it's just uh, you know confronting the powers of darkness. Africa, the the explosion of the spirit-filled church there, the live, they're just coming alive, and you know they're they're wrestling with some things with maybe some charismatic chaos, but nonetheless they're they're seeing hundreds come uh, to Christ and or millions actually. Uh, so globally, you know, again we just got back from Mexico and two thousand pastors just so excited about Jesus and wanting to reach their nation for Christ. Cuba. A persecuted underground church. The pastors are committed um, to the cause, uh, uncompromising, willing to suffer, willing to go without. I met a pastor who makes twenty eight dollars a month. Wow! Uh, you know, and just has three kids, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and that's norm for them. Uh, pastors in Cuba are not allowed to have another job once once you declare you're going to pastor a church. That's that you have to make all your money from from wow. that, and so they have to have little cottage industries and stuff. But anyway, just to see their faithfulness and their joy and their life. In the context of U.S., it's a little bit different because in some of those countries, it's 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 countries that are in ascension to seeing the kingdom of God come, where in America, it seems to be more in declension. 
But in the midst of that declension, I'm grateful. I would say in America, I'm happy to see a remnant of just holy, righteous, on fire, fire in their bones kind of pastors and leaders who who are returning to the word, being, being very word-centered, Christo-centered, power of the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, and getting away from gimmicks and uh, just, yeah, so I see a whole new generation. Not And it's not just age, it's, I'd say season. <clears throat> I think there's pastors my age that are saying, you know, I'm fed up with the seeker sensitive. I'm fed up with the faith and prosperity. I'm fed up with all these different movements. I just want to get back to this thing, you know, just <clears throat> just study and preach the word and uh, live it, live it faithfully and see people in my church saved. <clears throat> you know, the, there is a hunger for revival in America. My, my hunger for revival is probably different you know, I, I, I don't want to see just a college campus explode or uh, everybody have to drive to this region to see, you know, every nightly meetings and their lasting hours. And I want to see every church in America, like, you know, instead of like a, a spike in the chart, I want to see the whole level rise uh, by uh, the normative means of grace that, 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 that you know, the reformers talked about the, 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 the normative means of grace, which is preaching the gospel, uh, baptizing people, sharing communion, loving one another in community, spreading the gospel, you know, and that, you know, if there's 400 something thousand churches in America, even if 10,000 of them would become this normative spirit, vibrant, all in, uncompromised gospel, living for Jesus wholeheartedly, preaching the word of God without, you know, tinkering with it or trying to entertain people with it. And so I, I do see a generation, uh, it's kind of, I'd say almost like a Psalm 24. Uh, there's, there's a generation that seeks the Lord, that seeks his face, knocking at the door, who shall open, come in, let the king of glory come in. You know, that's what they're saying. We're, we'll seek, our, our ambition is the king of glory would come in and fill the church with his power and his life and his his grace and mercy. Amen. That's a that's a message right there. <laughs> the preacher's going to preach. Yeah. Um no, that's that's that is very encouraging. I think uh it's an important question to ask because we can be bogged down by um, you know, in, in our American context, you know, sometimes, you know, I, we talk about the the American context, the American lens and it, you know, and it shouldn't shape the way we look, but but this is, you know, for many of us, this is all we've known, right? We, we were born here, we we're growing up here, so we have to, um, we have to learn to think, you know, in a kingdom sense. And I think one of the things that you said that is encouraging to me is is that remnant, you know, seeing that there is less haze in the middle. You know, the idea of like, that's right. Everyone's kind of being who they really are. Like, yes, there's darkness, but the light's shining really bright. Exactly. And so, yeah. um, you know, on the opposite side of that question. Um, and I'll let you answer it. You know, you could answer it the same way you did globally um, or or but in our context, in the state of, of the Western church or the American church, what what's most concerning to you? You know, as a man who has been in ministry for many decades, who have, you know, pastored and just really have a good vantage point of of the world and Christianity in general. You know, what what concerns you the most? You know, the when we were in Cuba after the end of the conference, the pastors gathered with us, and they said the most encouraging thing about this conference is you preach Christ. They said it's rare that we get guests from the West, but when we do, they always have an agenda. Um, you know, it's 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 like the the, the we're going to teach you guys signs and wonders because you know you're this is you know healing is 
uh, you know, the most important thing, and you know, kind kind of a, you know, that there's a whole movement here in America, the what do they call it, N-R- NAR or something like that, NAR, or, New uh, Apostolic like, Reformation, yeah, that, that type of thing. They come in and they wanted to teach the. This is the new apostolic. You should be apostles, and then somebody else will come in, and it's faith and prosperity, and somebody else will come in, and it's this or that. And they said, "You mean you just guys came in and preached the gospel?" But I say that I use that illustration to say that that's what concerns me is that the the export from America, uh, because you know such a large church here and a predominant church and a, a very visible church through publishing and media, and so a lot a lot of more well known ministries here in America. And so there's this exporting of these things to, so as I talk about places like Africa, so excited about the spiritual awakening there and thousands and thousands being saved, but then there's this mixture. So I would say uh, synchronism, taking the gospel and then adding something to it like signs and wonders, even though that signs and wonders are part of biblical functioning church, but making that central or pray faith and prosperity, making it, you know, I believe just God wants to bless us, but making that central or moralism, making it central. Now I'm concerned about nationalism in America that we're more concerned about <clears throat> returning to uh, the roots of, you know, being, being like we were in the 1950s, more, more concerned about that than we are people's souls being saved and people coming to Jesus and churches being on fire for God. Um, you know, so that those are, those are some of my main concerns and, yeah, so it's just it's very similar to uh, Revelation two and three. You know, each each you know, I think Jesus could write a letter to every church in every nation and say, "Hey, you guys are doing this really well." In Poland, you guys are really that. In Cuba, you guys are faithful. But I, but here's something for you to work on. And in America, I would say, you know, God, God sees our faith and our vision and our hopeful optimism about spreading the gospel. But then He also sees this mixture. With these things again, like moralistic, like live by the law, try harder in your own strength, right. um, hyper charismatic craziness that's folly uh, that that gets spread around the world, uh, the faith and prosperity, the, the you know even this lesser level of faith and prosperity is uh, it's no longer about money and cars and houses you're claiming, but now it's your destiny and your future and you can do it and God's got your back and He's going to move you into new heights and you know it's it's the same message is just moved off of materialism into personal gratification and destiny. You know all of it's just trash from uh, uh, false teachers. No doubt. Um, yeah. So those are those are my concerns. But I I would say, that, like you said, you know the the two strands will move together. Uh, till Jesus comes, it's you know. Some people say everything's going to get better. Some people say everything's going to get worse until Jesus comes. I, I say the worst is going to get worse. Evil is going to become more evil, but the righteous, the godly, the, the the power of the Holy Spirit will become more more. I think there'll be greater awakenings, but also greater um, demonstrations and powers of darkness moving on the earth until one day Jesus cracks clouds, come home, and finishes it all. Maranatha. And Maranatha. Yeah. Um, you know, a personal question, you know, that I want to ask you, um, it's not a personal question about you, but it's a personal question because I am, you know, knit into this ministry uh, of World Challenge and, you know, we are, we're part of the, 
the church at large, the kingdom of God. And, and so we all have the same goal. You know, the biblical church, the biblical ministry all has the same king, the same spirit, right. the same, you know, overall agenda, his kingdom come, his will be done. But in our context, you know, as world challenge and, and as you glance out, you know, into the future, um, what has God placed on your heart um, for our ministry, you know, maybe it's a kind of a convoluted question, but but what is God placing on your heart for for us in this particular, you know, like what is world challenge? You know, I'm not trying to ask you to give me, see the future, right. give me a five-year plan, <laughs> but you know, as the leader of this ministry, you know, what is God placing on your heart? Where is he pointing us? Where is he pointing you? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is, where, where are we headed as far as, you know, uh, if you say I can't answer it, it's okay. Right, yeah. But I just, what is, what is God placing on your heart in this season? Yeah, there's, there's little that's brand new, but it's, it's fanning the flame of the fire that he's put within us, which is uh, twofold, uh, you know, seeing lives transformed through the message and the mission of Christ and the uh, I'll start with the mission first. It's planting the church where it doesn't exist. So we go to the most impoverished, difficult places to reach, most persecuted or uh, or the where the church doesn't exist. And we partner with people. We find young leaders that have a heart to do the same thing, to exp- expand the gospel and plant churches. And we train and facilitate, encourage, support, um, help them build up the work that they're doing, help them expand it and then spread the vision there. And so, you know, Middle East and all around the world, we're seeing the gospel brought and the kingdom expand. And then with the messaging, it, it, it's twofold in the message itself. One is for the body of Christ in general, and it's an edification, building up the body. That's through our, we have a newsletter that goes out and, and anybody listening today can go online at World Challenge, uh, go on to our website and you can sign up to get a monthly news, uh, word of encouragement and a missions report. And then um, beyond that, we have a daily devotional. You can sign up for that as well. You, you can get a right to your phone or your computer, a, 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 you know, a one page word uh, even less than a page but it really encourages you to help set your day apart and then we have a lot of media for the body of christ to to build to challenge to encourage to equip sometimes even to rebuke i think that sometimes that's missing from the church today so we're not afraid to to challenge things that are off and and want to bring the gospel in its full context Uh, and then more and more increasing is we kind of feel like if we believe not just feel but we believe that our, one of our unique callings is to help pastors just be that bright and shining light, is to be vibrant for Christ, to overcome encouragement. <clears throat> There's a lot of ministries that are, if you ask them their mission statement, it would be to encourage pastors. We're, going to, we're doing a lot of work with pastors. We have pastors' conferences all over the world and two national ones here in the United States, one in the West Coast, one in the East Coast. August of, of 23, we'll be in a Times Square Church in New York City, expecting probably a thousand pastors to gather together. It sounds strange, but my heart is not to encourage pastors. And that sounds kind of weird, right? Um, what if a pastor is preaching the law and he comes to our conference <laughs> and we encourage him? Hey, so I feel I was getting discouraged. The, you know, my, my church was feeling weak and people were discouraged. And but I'm going to go back and preach the law stronger. <laughs> or, or what if he's living in sin? Uh, or what if he's lukewarm? Um, you know, need more than encouragement. Need truth. You need fire in our bones is what we call our. And, and the fire in our bones is not enthusiasm and it's not personal passion. It's it's the gospel. It's it's Jesus that puts. You know, he is the fire. He's in our bones. So. He has to come out of us. So our desire is to put, you know, Christ rooted and grounded in the hearts of leaders, so that they are 
breathing Christ, eating Christ, sleeping Christ, living Christ, sharing Christ, uh, uh, building communities that are Christ-centered. And so, so Jesus becomes the focus. So our pastor's conferences are, we pray they would be, you know, the question I ask myself, in two to three days, can a life be so transformed that it that it ruins all the stuff that shouldn't be in ministry and it just pulls it away from us and puts into our hearts the things? And I believe the answer to that is yes. I believe God not only can do that, but wants to do it. You know, I didn't plan on tying these two together, but I was just thinking back what I said earlier when you were asking me about, you know, what specific calls in my life, the church planting and knowing Christ, that came to me at a conference when I was 19, yes. and here I am still talking about it. That's what I would love to see conferences being, and I don't. I think that only happens when you preach the gospel, when you pray, when you worship, and you get rid of all the gimmicks and hype and trying to sell something or sell some product or sell some idea, uh, some, some new fangled church growth principle, how to grow your church from 200 to 400. Sometimes those things can be good, but I think they do more damage than they do good because they put our eyes off the prize uh, and, and onto things that are second tier, uh, they're they're okay, but they're not meant to be first. And a lot of pastors put those things first. And again, so I don't want to encourage. Go back and just keep doing that. But I, you know, we if we want to use the word encourage, it would be encourage transformation. Uh, re retool your ministry, retool your heart, refocus that, and not through your own energy or strength, but through the you know the gospel is Jesus did this for you. Right. And so the, if there's any encouragement in our conference, it's that. Christ has called you to this meeting, and He's going to send you out from here with the sense of you know, the gospel is all is sufficient. It's all you need is what Jesus has done for you and, th and can do through you. Yeah, that is so so good. I think what you said is, is so powerful. As we preach the truth, you know what comes to mind is Second uh, Timothy four, where it says, you know, we correct, rebuke, and encourage based on where we are in proximity to the truth. So. If you're preaching the truth and you're aligned with God's word, then you're encouraged. Go out there. Pick up your sword, Christian soldier. Amen. You know, we're praying for you. We're rooting for you. Um, uh, but if you're not in close proximity to the truth of God's word, then you need a correction or, mm -hmm. or a rebuke. And I think uh, I think for me personally, typically good preaching, biblical center preaching and conferences that are biblical, like, you know, I believe and uh, hope that ours are, um, is the fact that I get a little bit of both, you know, there are mm -hmm. places in my life where I feel very encouraged, like, yes, yeah. I praise God. And there's other places where I'm examining myself and saying, man, I, I maybe I have gotten my eyes off the truth, but it's all centered around Christ's yeah. truth. Yeah. The, the, any encouragement is, I, I would say most often in my life, at least anyway, and, and as I examine scripture, most encouragement is you're positioned here and I want to move you to here. So it, it can be both at the same time. It's a bit of a correction. A loving one, um, but an but encouragement. Yeah. You know, so if if uh, you know, and it's not to say that pastors don't you know aren't hurt or wounded. That's 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 so clear today. You know, and so when we do these pastors conferences or when you lead the pastors network that World Challenge has, you, there is encouragement. Don't hear me, you know, the, the wrong right. way. That, to, uh, but it's just to encourage the right things and discourage the wrong things and make make that clear a distinction between the two. That's love and yeah, proof. You know, it's a father's love. It's a shepherd's love. Exactly. Um, we want we want to be in in the right. And I think those of us who are in Christ, you know, I want to be reproved and and I corrected, too, and 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 I want my eyes to be open to the places where I, I still need to grow. Yeah. Let me ask you just one final question as we're time is winding down here. Um, you know, as a man 
uh, who's been in ministry for 40 plus years and really in your household born into ministry, but you had your own call. You've lived your life. You've pastored. You've pastored pastors. You've preached all over the world. Um, what encouragement, you know, now we're at, we're talking about okay, encouragement, sure. but in the truth, what encouragement do you have for uh, the people that are connected, not just with our ministry, but with the the kingdom of God? You know, what encouragement moving forward do you have? Mm. Like what sort of like sending out proclamation do you have um, for, and you know, obviously that's kind of a put you on the spot there, but it looks like yeah. you got, you yeah, got no, something. No, this, this, is, this is kind of my staple when I hear what you're asking me, uh, because I think it speaks so well to it. And I can go here because it's not my word, it's God's word, Amen. and it's going to have the power to accomplish what it's sent out to do. Um, so in Hebrews 12, 12, it says, therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen that is weak. The things that are put out of joint may be healed. Strive for peace with holiness. So people are struggling. They're, they're in difficult relationship situations, striving for peace. They're struggling with holiness. Um, the path they have, it's unclear sometimes. Sometimes there's a weakness in the knees, the drooping uh, of the hands. And so... You know, oftentimes we think the solution to that is try harder or, you know, just get yourself encouraged in the Lord. You can, you know, pick yourself up and do that. But the Hebrews writer actually has a, a much clearer um, understanding of that verse too, looking unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith or the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Uh, and, then, and then it says, consider him. So it's looking him and then it talks about his suffering and then it says, consider him. And so you're considering the idea of, Sometimes this, sometimes this life we're in is going to cause some drooping and weakness and some challenges, and we're going to find ourselves not at peace with everybody. That's, uh, but, but consider that Jesus went through that before us, and then look to Him as the author. He starts our faith, our our ability to live holy, righteous, just, true, uh, passionate, loving Jesus and others. He empowers us to do that as we look to Him. And not look to try to fix everything in our life. That's the self-help movement. It's to the self-help movement would identify the exact same problems: weak, drooping, relationship problems, crooked past, not knowing your future. The, the, the diagnosis would be exactly the same. The remedy would be totally different. One is remedy is self-help. The other is total dependence on looking to Jesus as the author. He began your faith. Now he's going to finish it for you. So I trust that. I might be droopy right now, but I trust he's going to finish this race. And I'm not going to come across the finish line with broken knees and and uh, drooping hands. I'm going to come across the line, you know, raising my hands to God, saying, "You, we, we did it. We finished the race. Run, run it, run it." Like Paul said. And so, yeah, that would be my word of encouragement to people. Amen. And we're writing, and you and I are writing a book together uh, called "The Draw Dropping, the Jaw Dropping Beauty of Jesus." And you know, that's that's part of it. Is her just the, the book of Hebrews so clearly speaks to our generation? I think the things we ask. The questions you asked me earlier about the condition of the church in America, I think if pastors were to absorb the book of Hebrews, that would chant, they would begin to see, okay, it's not this, it's Jesus. Yep. It's not the supernatural, it's Jesus. It's not signs and wonders, it's Jesus. It's not mo the law of Moses, it's Jesus, you know, and, and just get that centrality of Christ back in our hearts and our churches and our preaching. Powerful stuff. Well, let me just first and uh, first off, say in closing that um, thank you for taking the time. I know it's sometimes it's when people are asking you questions, you know, it can be a little awkward, but thank you for taking the time to share your heart and to kind of give us a little, you know, vantage point in, into your life and your ministry. It means so much. Um, you know, one of the, the things that I would just say about 
uh, this ministry, you know, obviously imperfect people, you know, we all have our struggles, you know, all of that. But the, uh, you know, I just want to personally thank you for the integrity of the message and the life. You know, when I came here, you know, and I t told my wife, I said, um, you know, it's, 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 it's on the other side of the veil. It's the same as it looked on mm. the outside. And I think that's a, that's a good compliment. And, so I, I and I will also thank you for living uh, a life of biblical integrity and leadership for men like me, you know, who have looked to you and to other men like your father and Tozer and just even their local church pastor um, to model what it looks like, not just to be a man of God, but a man who preaches God's word. Um, so thank you very much. Um, just want to invite you all to a couple of things. One is, um, you know, he was he mentioned the newsletter. Um, it, you can get it digitally or sent through the mail if you just go to worldchallenge.org. You could sign up for that if you if you would like to receive those. Also, he also mentioned um, in August, August second, third, and fourth, we will be having our our fire in, in our bones conference. Um, Pastor Gary will be speaking. Uh, Pastor Carter Conlon, Tim Delina, I believe R.T. Kendall, right? Uh, many, many more will be will be there, and like you said, probably a close to a thousand pastors will be there. Will be at Times Square Church, and so um, if you're a pastor, a kingdom leader. I would encourage you to come out and be part of that, not only just for the powerful messages, but just the the fellowship with like-minded, Christ-centered pastors. And then finally, um, I believe a Fire in His Bones is available now, right, in all stores. And so you can get it at worldchallenge.org. Um, this is the 50 Greatest Sermons of David Wilkerson, powerful, powerful sermons that have been put into a book. And so wherever you buy your books, Barnes & Noble, uh, Amazon, uh, you can get yourself a copy of that. And if you do read it and enjoy it, uh, leave us a review because it helps us forward the message and, and get more exposure. And so, well, God bless you. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next time on the Gary Wilkerson podcast. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Joshua. Good being with you. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in the mission of World Challenge. Thank you for listening and supporting. World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Visit us online at worldchallenge.org.